You know that music by now. That means it's that time of the week. College Gridiron here on FUV Sports. Glad you could be with us. And Nick DeLuca, Jimmy Sullivan back for another week. Nick, what kind of week are you having right now? I, I'm having a great week. I'm, an, I'm enjoying my week. It was an interesting weekend of college football and excited to talk about this week because that's really where the money is made a little bit more interesting in terms of the matchups this week last week was I think the brackets are still intact right it was it was the first round of the NCAA tournament and the brackets are still intact which is good this this week might bust some brackets maybe we'll see we'll see but I'm having a good week how about you I'm having a good week um I did have Maryland making a deep run but we won't talk about that (laughs) (laughs) I I made the same mistake last year but um yeah interesting week in college football to say the least let's do the equivalent of when you're driving on the highway right and you're stuck behind if you if you're in the fast lane I don't know if you've had this experience and you're stuck behind a slower car and you pull out in front of them and then you move back into your lane to try to get them like as far away from you as possible let's just talk about week three right now let's bang it out not a ton of <laughs> not a ton I'm of usually upsets. the one in the in the slow lane I'm really? the one that people are I'm holding people back I'm in, the, I'm in the middle lane okay I'm in the middle lane all right I, I, I I'm a big flow of traffic guy. that's just me <laughs> But uh, let's get this out of the way here first. Not a ton of upsets. Uh, The two that stick out, obviously, were Temple over Maryland and BYU over USC. That was an exciting game in overtime. BYU got the win in that one, but not a ton going on in college football. Alabama played South Carolina. They won big. Uh, Washington State-Houston was an interesting game. But, Nick, most of the big teams, uh, I think, as we expected, and the other good game, too, I should mention, uh, is Penn State and Pitt. Uh, Pitt probably should have won that game, but Pat Narduzzi kicked a 19-yard field goal, yada, 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 (laughs) Um, which is just pathetic. But anyway, um, Nick, most of the good teams, Ohio State, Alabama, and some others, they all moved on and won, as you would expect, and uh, there were no huge upsets this weekend. There was nothing that changed the landscape of college football. No, as we joked, the the brackets are still intact, right? So... there wasn't – I don't think there was much to be learned this weekend. It was kind of interesting. I'll give you the props on, on the BYU pick over Thank USC. Um, I, I guess I didn't anticipate that Keaton Slovis would be as much of a freshman as he was this past week, although he wasn't bad, you know, 24 of 34 for 281. So, look, it's it's tough, I think, every week you, you go forward with your backup quarterback, right? It's just – it's difficult to win when you don't have the dude who – you know, in USC's case, JT Daniels, a guy who you were really going to rely on and and to make some big plays for you. I think there are some growing pains with a young team and a young quarterback. Um, I don't know if Clay Helton gets a pass, but that's a tough loss for him in in, in a season where he's really fighting to keep his job. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I don't think there was a ton to make of, of that, but credit to BYU. I think they're a little bit better than people may give them credit for. That's one of the reasons why originally I thought USC was going to win because I thought they were, after beating an SEC school, a, a sort of a known commodity and that this is a team that can play, right? Regardless of what's happened with Tennessee, BYU on the road beating Tennessee, I mean, that's a team that can play. So I, I'm a little bit surprised that USC, um, you, you just wouldn't think they get caught off guard. I don't know that they did. I think BYU was just a better team, so so kudos to them. But that that's I mean that's that's pretty much your your best matchup of the day. Yeah, it really was. And we 
went into this season basically saying that it was going to take a great year for Clay Helton to save his job. You think about the names out there. Obviously, the first one for me that comes to mind if he does return to coaching is Urban Meyer. But, you know, there are plenty of other coaches out there that USC and, could and go out and And with the block. new athletic director, too, I yeah. think that makes it much more challenging. Yeah, they, they have a new athletic director. Lynn Swan is out. So it'll be interesting to see where USC goes. But you had to think that to an extent, I don't want to say that was a must win for Clay Helton because I don't really believe there are must wins. There's just, you know, preferable scenarios. But that that hurts him. That hurts his job prospects. It hurts the rest of the season for USC. They're not ranked anymore. They've got another, you know, significant game this week with Utah. That's a Friday night game at the Coliseum. Utah is 10th in the nation. That's a good team, Utah. That's the best team in the Pac-12 by far. Uh, Pac-12 was six top 25 teams this week. That's the first time that's happened in a while, which I was pleasantly surprised by. Yeah, but, um, yeah that, that hurts Clay Helton. Um, it hurts USC. But you know what? I mean, BYU is a solid team. You know, it's a solid program since last year. Uh, Kalani Satake was in danger of his job, and then they pulled out the win over Wisconsin. They had a good rest of the year, and now they're picking up where they left off. So and now he's dancing in the locker room. <laughs> Those are my favorite videos when you see, like, Mac Brown or, like, any of these other coaches dancing around in the locker room. Like, hey, you know what? Good for them. Good for them. That's a good win. That's a win worth celebrating. Um, but outside of that, there weren't a ton of huge matchups. Maryland lost to Temple. Um, again, I, I don't I don't view that as a huge upset, to be honest with you, because Maryland was ranked only off the week before on a browbeating of Syracuse, and then Syracuse took another browbeating at the hands of Clemson. Yeah, but I, I, it's surprising. I mean, I, I didn't expect Maryland to, to go out and, and lose to a team like Temple. I mean, I thought they were ascending, but again, it's it goes back to the conversation of why it was really sort of surprising that Maryland beat Syracuse the way they did a week ago, right? You've got a new coach and a new sort of culture and trying to, to navigate the whole things with the first-time head coach in Mike Loxley. So you know, people forget Nick Saban went 7-5 and five in his first year at Alabama, right? Yeah. So it's difficult. The results usually don't come right away. It's kind of down the line that you're looking for the payoff by the time the coach gets in to recruit and, and install the system the way he wants to run it. So there are growing pains. That is to be expected. I'm just a little surprised that if Maryland was going to go through them, a loss to Temple was a little bit surprising to me. Although, again, credit where credit is due, Temple is is a better team than I think people give them credit for as well. And speaking of results that have not come right away, or at all, um, UCLA-Oklahoma was not even a little competitive. No, uh, Jalen Hurts, right now, they took a straw poll, I think it was The Athletic, did a straw, uh, straw poll of all their writers. Jalen Hurts is the Heisman favorite after three weeks, which is just unbelievable to me. But credit to Lincoln Riley and credit, uh, credit to his improvement as well. But UCLA is in a tough spot. Um, they are not very good. I think we have established that. They weren't very good last year either. The concerning thing to me is that they have not shown any improvement. And more that, so than anything, the fans and the media out there are starting to give up on Chip Kelly. And I start to worry about him, not necessarily in job security, but he's another one of these second-year head coaches that just isn't getting it done right now. And you have to wonder at this point, when are any sort of results going to start to come? Because they haven't yet. And I think it's difficult when you're talking about a guy like Chip Kelly in particular. We, we highlighted last week the, the sort of history with him in the NFL and his culture issues and and him rubbing people a little bit the wrong way in certain cases, right? He's a guy that I think needs to go in and, and win pretty soon, right? He's a difficult guy to kind of keep around, get along with when things don't go well. And, and I think that's the most concerning part if you're UCLA because 
there are some guys who are good guys, right? I mean, you know, pick a coach for Charlie example. Charlie Strong, that's the Charlie first one I Strong, think of in Texas. Pick, yeah, you know, sure. Even even um, you know, you know, pick the guy, right? Dabo Sweeney, whatever. He he wins all the time. But the point is, right? A guy who you just you can root for, and you know it's a good guy, and a guy who's who's just doing things the right way. Not to say that Chip Kelly necessarily isn't, but it's just you know that that Chip Kelly's sort of personality is not conducive to. I think turning a program around when it doesn't start the right way. I think Chip Kelly gets players bought in by showing them that he can win. I don't think he gets them bought in any other way. And when it's not happening and when they're not winning, I think it's going to be really tough for UCLA going forward to get players to buy into Chip Kelly's program. The the startling thing is, and I, I pulled the game up just in case I want to reference some numbers here on ESPN, and the highlights came up, and I remember seeing this on Twitter, but to see it again is really stark. The Rose Bowl, all red, and it's not USC, it's Oklahoma. They just invaded the Rose Bowl, and uh, UCLA's fans have already given up on that season, and it's going to be a long year for them. But with all due respect, if you're a UCLA fan, why are you going to that no, game? No, I wouldn't What's, pay to watch them exactly. either. That's, that's perfectly legitimate in my opinion. Yeah, so it's uh, going to be a tough year for UCLA. Uh, Nick, we've had enough of Week 3, correct? Yeah, yeah get it out. Okay, We're good. done. Um, so we are moving on to Week 4, and the biggest matchup by basically any standard you use, number 7 Notre Dame. Travels to Athens, take on number three Georgia, matchup of undefeated teams. These two teams last played two years ago in South Bend. Georgia won on a late field goal by a score of 20 to 19. Uh, that was one of the better games Notre Dame has played in the Brian Kelly era, but another disappointing loss. And Notre Dame comes into this game having won two games. The first one, if you'll remember, was week one against Louisville, kind of a sleepy performance. They destroyed New Mexico last week. Georgia comes in at 3-0, and and I guess we'll start this uh, conversation from the Notre Dame perspective. They are the clear underdog, the line right now, Georgia minus 14. I think a lot of people are expecting uh, Georgia to have a solid performance in this game and win by a solid amount because, frankly, they're just better than Notre Dame, I think, in a lot of people's estimation, including, I know, both yours and probably mine as well. But for Notre Dame, this feels like kind of a watershed moment for them because the rap on Brian Kelly right now is good coach, coaches good teams, can't win big games. And really, he hasn't won almost any big games at Notre Dame. And this is one of those scenarios where it's kind of put up or shut up. And even if Notre Dame doesn't win, you still want to see a better performance from them because that's been the narrative on them since Brian Kelly's taken over is that they've been a good team that just hasn't been able to get over the hump in these big games. No, and it's been a couple of uh, close calls in the regular season, right? They almost beat Clemson a couple of years ago with Deshaun Kaiser playing quarterback for them. They almost beat Georgia. Um, is it is that two years ago now? Yeah. It's two years ago now, almost beating Georgia, right? That's a quality team that, that was in playoff contention, right? So it, it's, it's I think, trying to destroy the narrative of we get, we get killed when we get to the playoff, right? The, the, the playoff effort from Notre Dame was absolutely embarrassing. And I don't know. I, I don't think that they are of caliber, uh, the, the caliber of team that is seventh in the country. Um, I don't think that they're, quite frankly, that good. And I expect Georgia, especially at home, to really just steamroll Notre Dame. If Notre Dame could ever win this game, could ever make it competitive, I, I would be impressed. And I think if they were to win this game, that, that really, really, really changes the perception of this team. But I, I think that's what it would take because I really do not expect them to win this game. In fact, I expect them to lose quite handily. So we'll 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 see how it goes. But um, this is this is a very, very, very big game for Notre Dame if they could ever win it. 
I, I think this game is made more interesting by the fact that it's still early enough in the season where there are more outcomes on the table, right? Sure. Georgia has not really played anybody. There are three wins, Vanderbilt, Murray State, Arkansas State. Notre Dame's two wins, Louisville and New Mexico. So we don't know for sure what these teams are, but my God, Georgia looks good. I mean, this looks like yeah. a bona fide playoff team. Uh, one of the top three teams in the country. They're probably the best team in America that is not Alabama or Clemson. I, I think most people would agree with that. The rankings agree with that. They've been third all season. So this is a game for them where you almost feel like the pressure is more on Georgia because part of people's predictions where a lot of people predicted Georgia, you and I both put Georgia in the playoff. You put Georgia in the playoff, right? I did. Yeah, I definitely yeah. did too. So a lot of people's projections was that they're going to roll through the regular season. They might lose the SEC title game, but they'll only be a one-loss team, and they'll be fine. You lose this game, and now you kind of throw a wrench in that plan. But like you said, Notre Dame's not good enough. Um, Notre Dame is a solid team. I, I look at Notre Dame, and I say that's a 9-3. and three. That's a good team, right? They're going to lose a couple games. Ian Book is a good quarterback, but they've got weaknesses kind of across the board. They've got a young defense, and when you have a young defense and it hasn't proven itself and they made mistakes all over the place against Louisville, more so against Louisville than New Mexico, so they may have worked some of that out. But it's New Mexico. The guy you don't want to see is Jake Fromm no. on the other side. And Jake Fromm, for all we talk about, Tua or Trevor Lawrence or even a Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm is right up there with those guys. He's really good. He's going to be one of the top couple of quarterbacks taken in next year's draft. And that's not the guy you want to see on the other side. And I could see this being a game where, you know, they kind of just go to the air early and often, and Jake Fromm just sort of picks them apart through the air. And granted, that's not really Georgia's MO. They, they like to run the ball. Kirby Smart's a coach who preaches physicality. But... That that's going to be the way that they can kind of tear apart Notre Dame's defense because, frankly, in the first half of that Louisville game, their defense kind of got torn apart by, who, Jawan Pass? I mean, Jawan Pass, no offense to him, is no Jake Fromm. So that's that's a guy that could really have a big game this week against the defense that lost a lot of guys from last year, is very young, and in my eyes, extremely unproven. And if they don't want to throw it around the yard with Jake Fromm, they've got DeAndre Swift in the backfield, well, and go. that's... And, and that's that's is it, it's an embarrassment of riches is really what it is. Fromm and Swift, I mean that's that's a pretty pretty darn good backfield, right? And and they can run the football. But to me, uh, the biggest mismatch for Notre Dame here is that they have Ian Book, right? That's an offense that's you, you can tell Ian Book's not a bad player. He's a, he's I think you you described him perfectly. He's a good quarterback, right? But he's got his limitations. Sure, and sure. and. It, the offense kind of goes as Ian Book goes in terms of you know that they can be good, but they have their limitations. Georgia's sixth in the country in defense. Uh, Georgia's defense is for real. I mean, they are they are really good, and I get it. They haven't played fantastic competition so far, but they're they're really good. So I just I don't see how Notre Dame moves the ball is really the thing for me. I'm sure they they will put a game plan together. They'll they'll be able to score a couple of times. I don't expect Georgia to shut them out. But I, I really expect a strong defensive effort from Georgia, and I think that's really the difference because I don't think Notre Dame could score consistently enough, especially with the defense on the other side. I don't think they'll be able to stop Georgia in a fashion that will allow their offense to be in the game. I think the thing for Notre Dame is, too, you look at the rest of their schedule, right? You figure without a conference title game, without being in a conference they probably have to go undefeated to make the playoff because it's basically for two spots. Right? And after you, last yeah. year, I think they have to. Right, I, yeah. I don't think you can put a one-loss Notre Dame team 
in in the playoff this year. So this is like a playoff game for them. I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule. They've got Virginia next week. I think they'll win that game. I think Virginia's a little overrated right now. They're ranked 21st. And they got Bowling Green, USC. Those are both wins. Michigan, that Michigan has not played that well. If you want to put that as a win, fine. Then you got Vatek, Duke, Navy, BC, and Stanford. All those teams are unranked. So Notre Dame could go 11 and 1, possibly. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to lose a couple of those games. But if they, even if they go 11-1, and one, they're not making the playoff. Not after last year. I mean, they go to the playoff last year. And I legitimately believed that was one of the top four teams in the nation. I know you probably didn't agree with that. I, I thought, didn't. Just throw yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah, Put I, it on the record. I, I thought the top four teams should have been Bama, Clemson, ND, Georgia. That would have been my four. I, I really thought Notre Dame was good enough to be in the playoff. But you just look at the talent gulf between Alabama, Clemson, and everyone else. And I think the one team that has shown that they can close that is Georgia because they can play with an Alabama. They've shown they can play with an Alabama. Arguably, you could say they should have won both the national title game in 17. Well, it was technically in 18, but it was the 17th season. And the SEC title game in December of last year. You could argue that they should have won both of those games. That you know they can play with anyone in America, and if they, they get to the playoffs, they Clemson, can win it. Outside of Clemson, they've played Alabama the toughest over this Nick Saban stretch. Well, since Kirby Smart has gotten there, right? And again, um, you know what what a job he's done. We just take a second to, to talk about that, right? But because um, programs don't just grow out of the ground in in college football, it's really difficult to build up a program, especially when it's down. And as quickly and as efficiently as Kirby Smart has done this, is actually it's remarkable. But I, yeah, I, I just I think that Notre Dame, if they were to have any aspiration of getting into this playoff, they have to win this game. Yeah. I, I, I even if you lost to Michigan, I think that would you, you might have a case right at eleven and one. You say we did beat Georgia, but if you go eleven and one or, or lose at all, and, and one of the losses is to Georgia, you just need something on your resume. And and without a Georgia win. I don't think they have a significant enough resume to, to put them in the conversation. I don't either. Um, we'll get to official predictions here now. I'll go first. I'm going to take uh, Georgia. I'm going to say 35-14 Georgia wins. I'm um, going to go three touchdowns, nice safe margin. They can take their foot off the gas late. I just think Georgia's a lot better. There's a lot more talent there. They recruit insanely well. Not that Notre Dame doesn't, but there's just a different recruiting edge for teams in the SEC. And um, this game is going to show you that Notre Dame is just not there right now. Wow. I uh, See, I, I don't know. I, it might be a little – I don't know if I want it to be a little bit – I'd go. I'd give Notre Dame another touchdown. I'd okay. say 35-21. Okay. say Notre Dame might get on the board one more time. Might be a little bit closer than than people think, but I think the spread is is pretty close to right on. Maybe you know what? I'll I'll amend that for thirty eight twenty one. That's my seventeen picture. seventeen points. Seventeen again. points. Yeah, I, I just think, and the thing is too, like Georgia, this is the best offense I think they've had since Kirby Smart's been there. Right? Yes, like they their problem was always great defense. They would have great defenses year after year, could not score the ball. Even in twenty seventeen, to an extent, they had trouble scoring it. And um, now that the training wheels are off Jake Fromm and he's a junior and, you know, he, he Not only has a, junior, a lot of autonomy a, in that offense. Right, a guy who's, who's now progressed through that offense for three years I yeah. think is also really important. And also has played basically every game. Right. I mean, I, I'm going to have to look at it to make sure, but I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, that Jacob Eason played at least part of that first Notre Dame game in 2017. Because that was the first time those two teams had ever met. Right. And... Uh, obviously it came down to the wire, 
No, it was Jake Fromm the whole way. Jake Fromm's numbers in that game. You want you want to have a laugh? 16 for 29, 141 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Don't think he's going to do that. They're twice. not playing that that guy. That he's no. he won't he won't be that that won't be the Jake Fromm that shows up on Saturday. No, um, but he did lead a game when he drive for them. But uh, that guy that guy died. The, yeah, the old Jake Fromm is dead and gone, and we have a new Jake <laughs> Fromm. We have a new Jake Fromm who's a lot better. That's right. And um, he's he's gonna. I think he's gonna go for three hundred yards, easy. And I think uh, George is gonna get a big win here. And uh, they're going to cement their playoff case. There's three SEC teams in the top four right now, which is not probably going to stay that way. But um, you have to be impressed with at least the top of the SEC this year, if not uh, the rest of the conference, because it is a little top-heavy. But uh, Georgia gets a a big win in my eyes. And we'll move on to the other big SEC game of the week, uh, first in-conference game. Uh, Auburn will visit Texas A&M. Texas A&M a couple weeks ago coming off the – Lost to Clemson. Uh, Auburn still undefeated behind Bo Nix. Uh, interesting game. Auburn comes in ranked 8th. Texas A&M comes in ranked 17th. Um, figuring this one's going to be pretty even. This is the 330 game on CBS, so you know it has to be pretty good. Texas A&M comes in as a slight favorite. I've been impressed by the freshman Bo Nix from Auburn. I think they can win this game. Nick, I want to... Get your thoughts on this first. Uh, this seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a pretty even matchup in this one. I'm excited for, to watch this game. Yeah, absolutely. ESPN's Football Power Index has A&M at 53.7 in the matchup prediction matchup predictor, excuse me, and then 46.3 for Auburn. So you know, really not a large margin in terms of of who's going to win. I think it really does come down to a few things. I think it's going to be difficult for. Bo Nix on the road. I mean, this is his first, uh, you know, I think College Station's different, right? I think this is, you know, first foray into College Station, playing at Texas A&M, playing against a coach and a coaching staff led by Jimbo Fisher. I think it's it's just a different element. It's not, you're not playing Oregon. You know, or, Oregon was, was a decent Pac-12 team, but I think Jimbo Fisher and an SEC opponent on the road presents a different challenge. I think with a freshman quarterback, it's going to be a little bit, more difficult for him, and I think A&M's defense is is actually pretty good. Um, it wasn't fantastic because we all know that Clemson – it wasn't fantastic against Clemson because we all know what they can do, but I thought for the most part, especially in that first half, they showed me something. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good defense. So a good defense on the road, first really hostile environment that, that Bo Nix is going to play in. I like Texas A&M at home. It's interesting to look at Auburn because after this, their schedule is murder. They've got Mississippi State at home, but then they're at Florida, at Arkansas, at LSU in Death Valley, home for Ole Miss, then home for Georgia, then Sanford in the Cupcake game, and then the Iron Bowl, home for Alabama. So four out of their last nine games are against top ten teams as of the moment. They should probably be able to beat Florida without Felipe Franks. Um, But... Auburn's schedule, you feel like if they're going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl, if they're going to make something meaningful out of this season and not go 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, they got to have this game. And uh, I've been impressed by Bonix quite a bit because, yes, you could look at that Oregon game. It was a neutral site, probably more Auburn fans than Oregon, if we're being honest. But they were down in that game, and he led them back. And, and granted, I think Texas a and is probably a little bit better, but I don't think he's going to be as faced by College Station. As you do, I I I think he's gonna handle it okay. Um, obviously, you know he's not 
the only factor in this game by any stretch of the imagination. But I, to think that he's just going to you know roll over here, he hasn't done that, and I don't think he's going to. And, you know, this is a gut feeling. I'm going to take Auburn in this game. Um, there's a good Texas A&M team, and they're going to be good. Still feel like they're a year away under Jimbo Fisher, and you can bet he's going to have them prepared. He always does. I'm going to take Oregon in this game. Um, slight upset, even though they're the higher-ranked team, but I think Bo Nix isn't going to be rattled, and I think or- um, Oregon. Auburn's got enough you know, outside of that to, to pull out a win here. Granted, I think the rest of their schedule they're going to have a tougher time against. They'll probably still wind up with three or four losses. But I don't think this is going to be one of them. I'm going to take Auburn. It's a fair pick. I just – A&M, 11.3 points per game allowed. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good defense. Only gave up 24 to Clemson and, yeah. and Trevor Lawrence, and, and that's, that is low-key one of the best offenses in the country. And and then when you, you know, freshman quarterback, tough environment, I just – I think it'll be tough. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I really think that Bo Nix in a couple of years – might be talked about in in a Heisman conversation like he's he's really showed me a lot so far but I think for this week it's going to be tough so you have A&M I've got Auburn we will revisit that next week I am sure with you probably being right (laughs) um (laughs) then the last game I want to touch on we we went in reverse chronological order we started with the eight o'clock game we went to the 3.30 game. Now we're going to go to a noon game. Michigan-Wisconsin, two teams just outside the top 10. Wisconsin still has not allowed a point on the 2019 season. They have outscored their two opponents, South Florida and Central Michigan, 110-0. to zero. Miami Dolphins numbers right there. <laughs> Michigan uh, had to be uh, taken to overtime by Army. They were able to beat them. Army had a chance at a game-winning field goal, did not make it. You could argue Michigan probably should have lost that game, but... They won, and their season effectively is still alive. ESPN, FPI giving Wisconsin a 70% chance to win this game. Not sure if I agree with that, but a good matchup early on in the season in the Big 12. This is the conference opener for both teams, and Wisconsin's looked a lot better than Michigan in the early going, but maybe early performance is not indicative of future results. Especially when you look at the schedule, right? Central Michigan is not regular Michigan, right? So so that's something to keep in mind. Have to be impressed by Wisconsin, though, because I don't really care who you're playing when you've not given up a point through two games. I mean, that defense is is really impressive, and they have been the last couple of years. But again, I think it just comes down to it's kind of the, the theme that we've been talking about throughout college football, and I think football in general, right? It's going to come down to the quarterback. It's going to come down to Shea Patterson, right? We, he's been uh, much maligned in, in these past couple of weeks, right? Can Harbaugh get this offense figured out, and can Shea Patterson finally show up? The endless conversation that just continues to go. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a tough time picking Michigan in a game that's going to be close on the road when Shea Patterson's your quarterback. I just don't have a lot of confidence in Michigan's ability to try and turn that offensive round. Uh, they, they didn't do it against Army at home, and, and you know, they just haven't looked good. So we'll, we'll see if they can, but I, I, I'm not betting on it, so I, I'd go Wisconsin here. So this quarterback matchup, Shea, uh, Shea Patterson for Michigan, Jack Cohn for Wisconsin, not exactly a Hall of Fame caliber type of matchup. Um, Wisconsin's thing over the last couple of years, and, and anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a, I'm a Wisconsin fan, um, and the thing for them over the last couple of years, everyone has said their defense is good enough to carry them. The thing is, if the quarterback gives the ball to the other team, 
that negates a lot of that. And Alex Hornibrook did that a lot last year. Wisconsin went 7-5 and five and had to go to the pinstripe bowl a year after being 40 yards away from the college football playoff in the Big Ten title game against Ohio State. Jack Cohn has not turned it over this season. He hasn't thrown any picks. You know, he hasn't had unnecessary fumbles. Um, that's going to get tested. This Michigan defense is really good. The over-under on this game is 43. Um, that's very low for a college game. Um, I just feel almost bound to take to take Michigan in this game only because, one, I picked them to go to the playoff. I don't want to embarrass myself further. Uh, <laughs> this is a year after I picked Michigan State to go to the playoff. Last year, that, that was not my finest moment. So I feel like ouch. I don't. I don't want to say I have to. Pick Herm Michigan. Edwards shut that down two <laughs> two years in a row. Yeah. By the way, that was a terrible game. I was <laughs> so happy they missed the field goal, so I didn't have to watch overtime of that. But um, Wisconsin, if they don't turn the ball over, they will win this game. And there's a very solid argument to be made that they will. I'm just. I'm gonna stick with Michigan, um, and I will probably regret it later. Uh, one, because my rooting interest is on the other side, and two, because I'll probably just be wrong. But, <laughs> you know, this this Michigan team has not shown you anything, right? They didn't play that well against Middle Tennessee, and they maybe should have lost to Army. Now, granted, Army last year took Oklahoma to overtime, and Oklahoma went to the playoff. It was hardly the indictment on Oklahoma as it was, you know, to praise Army, but my God, I mean, this Michigan team, when are they going to show you something, right? Like, at some point, you have to see something out of this team that goes, yeah, they can go to the college football playoff. And we have not seen that this year. Frankly, we didn't even see it last year, and people were right higher on them last year. So, you know, maybe another long year for Michigan, and maybe the seat cranks up on Jim Harbaugh, but this is the type of game you feel like they have to win. Yeah, uh, again, right, you're you're talking about the job security. We, we touched on Clay Helton a couple minutes ago, right, but I think this is a sort of very similar type of game because I, I, if if this season goes south to to a you know to a point, I think Michigan has to really look at Jim Harbaugh here. Um, you know, if they can't beat Ohio State again and they lose a couple of conference games to to Wisconsin, right? That's not where Michigan's aspirations are. It's not about beating Wisconsin; it's about beating Ohio State. And if you can't compete and can't beat teams in your own conference, and, and they're looking the way they have, and, and especially offensively, right? Because that's that's the hallmark. That's Harbaugh is going to come in, and this offense is going to be really good. It's going to be, you know, he's the offensive coach. He he he's going to get it done. And when when it's not, and when uh, when the idea is, oh well, he didn't have a quarterback. Now he's finally got the quarterback. Shea Patterson's in here, and Shea Patterson has looked the way he's looked. I think it's a tough sell for Michigan if he if this if this game goes south and they can't beat Ohio State later. Jim Harbaugh, I think, has some serious heat on his seat. Just remember this: both of these teams are playing 1970s, 1980s style football, offensively running the ball, I formation type stuff. Wisconsin's doing it with Jonathan Taylor, who's probably the best running back in the country, and Michigan is doing it with Zach Charbonnet and Christian Turner and Dylan McCaffrey. So if it comes if it comes down to that, uh, not Dylan McCaffrey, uh, uh, Van Summeren, sorry about that. But if it comes down to that, just remember that Wisconsin has a guy who might go to the Heisman Trophy presentation. Michigan does not have that this year. They don't have a guy you could just give it to 30 times. So that might wind up coming back to hurt them, but should be a big week of college football. It can't be can't be worse than last week, right? Last no. week was, was the appetizer, right? It was fine. <laughs> it was okay. You live with it, but... Last week is not what you look for in a week of college football, but this week is, and I'm really looking forward to it, Nick. Should be great. I'm I'm looking forward to it to it as well. Jonathan Taylor, six point eight yards 
per game, right? That should be a contributing factor. I like the run game. I like Wisconsin. It's tough. You're going to you're gonna try and stick with Michigan, but yeah. we'll see. You like Wisconsin more than the Wisconsin fan in the room. All right. All right, Nick, great show. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of College Gridiron.